I'm Captain Kirk. Fascinating. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I saw it. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, Zatarians, and things to episode Ooh. 74 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. We're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And Jarman, what are those? Those are, of course, the Muppets and Star Trek. And we do one-to-one reviews of the Star Trek original series and the Muppet Show. <laughs> I mixed that up a little bit. And Why this not? week, we have special guest Muppet Show uh, on the Muppet Show, John Denver, and Star Trek, the original series episode, The Lights of Zatar. Or Zatar? How do you pronounce it? Zatar. Zatar. <laughs> I'm sure Bill will tell us we got it wrong. Uh, but yeah. Steve, first tell us about who this person is, John Denver on the Muppet Show. Well, his real name, Henry John Deutschendorf Jr., <laughs> by John, Hember's, uh, John Denver as his stage name. He was an American singer, songwriter, actor, activist, and humanitarian. Um, some of his biggest songs were Take Me Home Country Road, Rocky Mountain High, Thank God I'm a Country Boy. Um, Lots of hits. He was, in 1974, named the Poet Laureate of Colorado. Uh, but he died actually not too far from where I am now on the afternoon of October 12th, 1997. He crashed a home built aircraft yeah. in Monterey Bay near Pacific Grove, which is an hour and a half south of me. And sadly, he had already lost his license um, for intoxication on several times, a couple DUIs. And so he didn't even have a license to be flying legally when he did crash at that time. So it was kind of unfortunate. Uh, John. Yeah, he had problems with alcoholism throughout his life, but, uh, you know bittersweet folk, he's a good folk guy. life destroys so many good people <laughs> apparently it's that hardcore folk life man hardcore folk life <laughs> what's he up to this week on the muppet show well backstage kermit uh, announces that the crew and everybody's going to get ready for a weekend camping trip with john denver everyone's excited at first until he reveals they're going to the swamp piggy struggles with this and refuses to go until kermit offers to give the other pig lady annie sue a swimming lesson and then piggy quickly changes her mind Piggy visits John in his dressing room and tells him she's finally ready for camping. And he prepares her by telling her about uh, snakes and gators and spiders. And it freaks her out. Um, she goes to tell Kermit that she does not want to go to the swamp. Kermit suggests they go to where she was born, the sty, where <laughs> pigs eat swill and wallow in the mud. And uh, then she cry shops the crap out of him. Uh, this is maybe my favorite exchange between these two in the entire show so far. Yeah, because he's finally getting one in on her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, on stage, Kermit introduces John Denver, to, uh, and the episode is going all into the country. We get a bunch of Muppets and a war zone, which seems to range from the War of 1812 to World War One and Two, and maybe the French and Indian War in there, and they sing Why Can't We Be Friends. Hmm. John hits the stage and sings the Garden Song, a lovely song about sowing the land as plants actively grow around him and eventually join him in singing. We get a trip to the Swedish chef's outdoor kitchen. He's trying to cook in the wilderness and uh, hunt squirrels, which he shakes from the tree. They escape and bring a bear that chases him off. Piggy performs trees. This was last heard, I believe, in season one, performed by Wayne uh, very shortly before a tree falling on him. <laughs> it's a lovely ballad. And uh, then she chops some wood after the tree makes fun of her. Next, we get pigs scaling a mountainside. They perform the happy wanderer. During the Valderas, they one by one lose grip on the mountain and fall, presumably, to their deaths. 
John Taffer hits the stage one last time for Grandma's feather bed, where him and a bunch of Muppets and dogs are crowded into a lumpy feather bed, and they sing about it. Kermit thanks John, which his uh, with his camping camping knapsack on. Kermit says everyone else backed out, and John offers, "Well, I'll still take camping. I'll teach you how to catch frogs." And Kermit is traumatized. And that is what we call the Muppet Show. He even says that that's why his eyes look the way they do. Is why do you think my eyes look like this? Yeah. Like, Whoa. So, Jarman, what did you yeah. think of this week's episode with John Denver? Um, I think he did a great job as a host. And one of our big uh, you know, litmus tests we always use is how are they with the Muppets? I think he's great with the Muppets. He felt like he was completely at ease and comfortable with them. Um, he seems like just a chill, relaxed guy. He was probably high the whole time, so who cares? Um, yeah. But uh, – yeah, we didn't. We were missing a lot of our favorite sec- segments. There weren't a lot of the standard or any really. I like. I like that we got we got Swedish Chef's Kitchen and they That's adjusted true. it to the outdoor theme, which I really appreciated. That is true. They did do that, and I just think that. Uh, but then the numbers that had just the Muppets in them were really solid too. Like uh, the pigs climbing was really fun and really well yeah, done. Yeah, that and, was really fun. Um, the, uh, the 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 number of them. At the, Why can't we be friends? Out in the battlefield was really cool. Lots of different mm-hmm. Muppets there. And the numbers with him were good. The really cute flower number and then him in the bed with all the other puppets was really cute. I just think it's a really solid episode and the best episode of season four so far. <laughs> I think that, that he stuck in his lane while still not like because he did some folk songs. He didn't do really any of his music. That's true. Which is kind of crazy to think about. Didn't really do any of his music. Uh, had some good interactions and was willing to be silly and kept to like wholesome family humor. Yeah which is all what was in his lane. And he did it well, I think. Yeah. It was just like, there, I was entertained throughout. It was solid. There wasn't like a lame number in there. I didn't think um, it just was yeah, good, really good, solid episode. Um, All right. What did you think was the best Muppeteering moment this week? Uh, well, I have to say probably after I thought about it would be grandma's bed number because okay. they had all those working Muppets in this one giant bed, but also had to somehow make it possible for John Denver to actually lie in it. And so yeah. like that must've been a little engineering feat of itself. So I just like that aspect of it. Uh, my favorite, I'm going to go with the pigs up the mountain, but specifically at the end uh, when there's just the one pig left up there, because that one pig really sells the rest of the number mm. by himself. And I'm always very impressed when a single Muppet can go and hold the stage. That's true. That's not always easy. So in that regard, I appreciate that performance specifically. And what of our trivia song info for this episode, Steve? Oh, man. Music this week. Why can't we be friends? Ironically, by the funk band War. Uh, it's is a unique song in that each verse is sung by a different member of the band. Oh, that's cool. I didn't realize yeah. that. Garden song by David Mallet, one of John Demper's contemporaries, actually. Uh, John Denver wasn't the only one to cover this song, though. Arlo Guthrie, Peter, Paul and Mary. And even John Lithgow on his album In the Bathtub. It's on YouTube and it's delightful. <laughs> nice. Uh, the UK spot this week, uh, Trees by Oscar Rasbach, uh, American pianist and composer. He was actually a Kentucky boy who went all the way to Vienna to study music. Mm. The Happy Wanderer, music by Fred Frederick Wilhelm Möller. I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> lyrics from a poem by Florence Friedrich Sigismund. Uh, Moeller's sister directed a children's choir and recorded this version at a competition. BBC Radio played it in 1953, and it became one of the biggest hits in the UK in 1954. Wait, which song was this? The Happy Wanderer. Valdery. Valdery. That was like a top 20 song in the UK (laughs) in the 50s. 
uh, um, Grandma's Feather Bed uh, by classic bluegrass musician Jim Connor. He was inducted into the Bluegrass Hall of Fame, which I didn't know existed, but of course it does, and is known as one of the like greatest banjo players to have ever lived. Wow. That's hmm. right. Learned a lot. So, John, what happened this week on our episode of Star Trek The Original Series? Well, this week we have the lights of Zatar or Zetar, however you want to say it, Kitar. <laughs> so we have the Enter- <laughs> the Enterprise is on its way to Memory Alpha, which any Star Trek fan that sounds really familiar, whether you remember this episode or not, because that's the name of the Wikipedia for Star Trek now, and appropriately it's called that because this planetoid is home to the is Feder- the repository for all the knowledge. I was blown away. Exactly, it's a central library for the Federation. It's open and free to all peoples, no matter what race or where you're from. You can go there. For information. So they soon find that this weird storm like thing is also on its way there, moving at warp speed, which should be impossible for any natural phenomenon. So something has to be unnatural about it. They try to intercept it before it gets to memory alpha, but it enters the ship and it affects every crew member's nervous system a little differently. Some of them they can't speak, some of them they can't see, and then the effects go away, except for one Lieutenant Mira Romaine who's new to the ship, and Scotty is apparently in love with her, she faints completely from the storm, and she becomes unresponsive and starts making weird grunting noises, like those kind of noises. Really pretty. Uh, The storm moves on to Memory Alpha, uh, basically destroying it and killing everyone there in the process. So they beam down afterwards, after the storm flies away, to find only one woman alive who is also grunting in that same way, and she also dies of a brain hemorrhage shortly thereafter before she can say anything. So Mira then beams down as well, and she's terrified because apparently she just saw all this happen in a vision. And another vision's telling her right then that they all need to get back to the ship immediately because the weird storm is returning. So they finally find out the so-called storm is actually a collection of life forms. And Kirk tries to communicate with it, but to no avail. So they fire a warning shot at it, which does nothing. So then they fire directly into it, which causes Mira to fall down in pain. So Scotty tells Kirk this, so they stop the attack, and after talking to Mira more, once she comes back from being in pain, Kirk, Scotty, Bones, and Spock figure out that her brain patterns have been altered to match the weird light storm beings. And this helps them make some strange leap that the light beings are trying to take over Mira's body. And somehow this leads them to a plan that lets the being, that will, they want to let the beings take her over, have her fight to retain some control, and then shove her into an atmospheric chamber and bump up the pressure until it kills the light beings. So once they enter her body, they tell Kirk that they are the last remnants of the beings that used to live on a planet called Zatar, which was thought to have been wiped out centuries ago, and they've been traveling for centuries looking for a body to take over so they can have ears and eyes and feel again. And all the people that are memory alpha were fighting being taken control of, so they died. But Mira's mind is pliable. That's what they just found out earlier, that her mind is apparently pliable. So they were able to take her over. And Kirk says, you can't have her. So he shoves her into the chamber. Spock boosts the pressure up until they all die. This seems to have no effect on Mira, luckily, and she survives. They then send her off to oversee repairs and to salvage memory alpha, basically saying a big... F you to Scotty and her love with him together, and we never see her again. <laughs> so that's the end of the Lights of Sitar. So, Steve, what do you think of this episode? All right. So some things I liked. I like Scotty episodes, but I like that I don't like that this was another one where he's like head over heels for a girl and gets him into mischief. 
mm-hmm. which is like I feel like the two other Scotty episodes we've had. Yeah, that one in season one where like with, where he fell in love with some lady and got him in trouble because she disappeared, uh, or, or or he was accused of a murder. That was the one with right. Piglet guy in it. Yep. <laughs> um. So yes, like Scotty Boo, they didn't do anything with him. Uh, Chekhov and Sulu only have like four lines in this whole episode, and two of them are to set up and execute a sexist joke. <laughs> yes, that's true. Scotty doesn't seem to be the one to choose brains. I don't even know if she he knows she has brain. I was like, what? Oh, come on, guys. Jesus. You jackasses. Those are two of your lines. I hope you enjoyed them. <laughs> um, and I thought the 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 Z- Zitar effect of the strobe if the what i saw was the original which i think it would have been they would have been able to do it at the time it was pretty good looking i think it's an enhanced version of what they did in the original but yeah it's similar to what the original but it looks it's the kaleidoscopy kind of effect and that's how it looked in the original but they just made it look a little sharper basically ah okay so it's not entirely changed never mind it's dead it's dead to me (laughs) it's not entirely Um, changed that's impressive other dislikes thing i struggled with this was a very bottle episode and you could really feel it was a very bottle episode. Mm. And I understand their, their budget got cut this last season. They were really stretching, but they've done other much better bottle episodes. Oh yeah. So I think maybe that's my complaint. I feel like it was really stretching and dragging for time at times. It was just like, okay, come on. Let's move uh, this and there were the only big reveal is that it wasn't an anomaly and some sort of entity, but otherwise it didn't feel like there was any mystery. Like there were normally it's like one question leads to another question leads to another question leads to another question. And this just felt like, oh, it's the entity. All right. Well, now we know. Now we just stop it somehow. Yeah. Somehow, I guess. Pressure chamber. I don't know. Science. Yeah. Well, my big thing, too, is that we've had already, I think, plenty now of ancient civilizations that died out long ago that are trying to live on through other beings that they take over against their will. Yeah. Like we've had like that wasn't that two f- episodes ago, the computer left behind to send a message and all that. And then there were the beings who took over their bodies. Like this happened multiple times now. Like, mm-hmm. come on, <laughs> come on. The Triskelion, I think is one is one of them. Maybe we have the ones who, like, we've already had the millions of beings testing humanity. Now we have the beings that are taking over right. humanity so they can live on. Versus the other week where it was beings that needed humans to give them STDs and diseases. Yes. It's all. <laughs> At least that one season, was somewhat different. Season three is confusing. It's weird. Uh, very sciencey though, this episode. Felt very sci-fi-y, you know, like if you like that kind of thing. Which, you know, I don't know. I'm not into it. I just watched Star Trek for the, <laughs> exactly. for the sweet 70s hairdos or 60s hairdos. It just felt kind of all over the place, like. The thing like, was she, is she psychic? Now she has visions. Why does she have visions? They didn't explain why Zatarians can see, see in the future, I guess. Or was that their plans? It, it, it wasn't explained. And then mm-hmm. her mind is pliable, which is a terrible thing to say about somebody. But like they're saying it like it was a compliment. It wouldn't have been so bad, except for the only other person we saw that the Zatarians took over was also a woman. And so it was like, come on. Yeah. Like, what are they implying here? You should have just <laughs> made that a dude and it would have fixed the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, rough overall, I'd say. I don't know. Rough. I don't, this, I don't know. This is, this may end up sort of in my bottom three-ish. Mm-hmm. But I'm so lukewarm on this episode. This is getting towards my bottom three-ish too. I'll have to see what else was in season three, but this is feeling right. pretty rough. We're going to, we're going to go back and remember all sorts of terrible ones we forgot about. This wasn't like, this wasn't like, oh God, this is so bad, but it was more like this could have been a lot better. Like it was lazy almost, but I feel bad saying all this because this will transition to the trivia is that this was 
co-written by Sherry Lewis, who many listeners might recognize as Lamb Chop Lady. <laughs> okay. So this episode was co-written by Sherry Lewis, so famous later on for Lamb Chop, and her husband, Jeremy Thatcher. Or Tarcher, excuse me. They were both in the opening credits. I saw that name and I was like, wait, is that actress Sherry Lewis? And the funny part is, in the trivia, it even says Sherry Lewis co-wrote this with her husband and wrote the part of um, Mary. Mary, was it? <laughs> I'm forgetting now. Mary Sue? Mira. 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 She wrote the part of Mira for her to be in the episode and they cast somebody else. And they, so this woman was not her, but I did see the name Sherry Lewis. And I was like, I know that name. So I looked it up. I was like, oh, it's the Lamb Chop Lady. But it was cool because they weren't putting female names as writers for a lot of shows yet. So this is kind of like because even DC Fontana, who's a big writer for Star Trek, she had to put DC Fontana instead of Dorothy Fontana. Right. She she hit it. Exactly. So it was kind of cool that Sherry Lewis got her name on there. Um, But she also Sherry Lewis was the one who decided to write the romantic angle centering on Scotty as a way to break away from the formula of Kirk always getting the love interest, which is pretty cool. She gave Scotty some more time there. She laid it on pretty thick. Oh, yeah. But he didn't get to kiss her the whole time, which is unfortunate. Um, Ah, but he thought about it a lot, Captain. (laughs) Oh, and I got drunk and I thought about it all night long. Um, But this is also... Go drink some brandy and drown me tears. (laughs) Drown me tears and sorry and brandy. Now he's a pirate. Um, This is the... Uh, as we see in Memory Alpha, you see these dead aliens. This is the final episode in which we see a Tellarite and an Andorian in the original series. And they're dead oh, bodies. Shit. So there you go. And that is the Lights of Zatar. <laughs> so what are our Trek connection, Muppet connections so far? Oh, man. One of them is okay. All right. I'm stretching. John Denver was in the 1977 Oh God with fellow Muppet show guest George Burns. His wife was played by Terry Garr who is in Star Trek, the original series episode, Assignment Earth. Yes, the not that season long two ago. finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Denver's songs have been used in many shows and movies, including The Last Man on Earth, which uh, which starred Kristen Schull, who had a cameo in the 2011 The Muppets as Animals Anger Management Code. <laughs> that's the, that's, it took a bit. Those it was were really pretty tough. tenuous. There were no, there were, I could find no obvious connections. It was a really rough. Wow, movie, even a big so. star like John Denver, that's surprising. Well, the thing is, he's been dead, so there's like a cutoff point where if he didn't do it before that point, there's no other possibilities. That's true. That's true. Don't get in homemade planes. These are the same episode, right? Huh? Harrison Ford's gotten in plenty of planes and crashed them and been okay. (laughs) But he wasn't in homemade planes. That's the difference. In no no less than four planes. Well, I keep trying to die, but you keep rescuing me. I'm just flying up there and crashing over and over again. (laughs) Indiana just wants to rest. <laughs> so uh, tired of playing these same rules over and over again. Just gonna hang my head up. Please. <laughs> I thought that shy kid was gonna do it. Boy, what a disappointment. I p- bet my money on the wrong horse. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so oh, these were basically the same episode. <laughs> this is the same episode, man. Oh, man. Both feature people with mixed feelings about going someplace new. Scotty and Mira sort of apprehensions uh, have apprehensions about transfer to memory alpha and Kermit and Piggy camping in the swamp. That's very true. Uh, on That's the right. Muppets episode, the Whatnots ask, why can't we be friends in their battlefield number? Just as Kirk mm-hmm. asked the lights of Zatar, why can't we be friends? 
Um, both feature exploring the roots of where something comes from. The space entity actually become uh, coming out now being the now extinct Zatar. Why wow, I wrote that stupid. <laughs> and Kermit comes from the swamp and Piggy from the sty. That's true. Uh, Miss Piggy. Origin stories. <laughs> Miss Piggy doesn't want to carry her own bags to go camping until she thinks she might mm-hmm. lose Kermit to Annie Sue. Just as Mira doesn't want to carry the lights of Zatar in her head until she thinks that if she doesn't, okay. she'll lose Scotty to, well, death. <laughs> oh, man. That one was so good. Oh, yeah. Transporter malfunction. What's that noise? Transporter malfunction. Zatans. All right, so now it's the time of the show where we transport one character from one episode to the other and vice versa. So what you got for us, Steve? All right, so I'm going to bring over the people affected by the Zaytarians. Zaytarians? I don't know. Uh, so that like the people they they find they're still there are like ah. I'm going to bring them over and put them on the mountain for uh, the Wanderer number, and so they're going to sing like Valerie, Valera, Valerie, Valera, and then but it take the lights hit them, ah, and they go rah, and then fall off the mountain <laughs> one at a time. That works well. Uh, I, uh, from Star Trek to Muppets, I'm going to have Mira transport over to take Piggy's place, as apparently her brain is super pliable, so she will just be a lot more kind to Kermit and the rest of the Muppets. <laughs> True. Uh, bring over Grandma's feather bed to replace the space entity. Oh. Uh, a dozen people and animals drifting through space in a lumpy feather bed. <laughs> I love it. Instead of all those sparkly lights, it's just a top-down shot of that bed filled with Muppets. <laughs> it's like going through space. Uh, Muppets of Star Trek, I'd have 100 John Denvers transport over to take wow, the place of the lights 100. of Zatar. They'd be so oh, chill. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but they'd let, everyone would just let them take over their bodies because they'd be like, yeah, man, can I just take care of your body for a little while? I'll be real nice to it. And they'd be like, yeah, man, just why not? <laughs> I'm just going to use it to build a plane. That's all. Oh, God. And that's how everyone on the Enterprise dies. That's right. They build a plane and it crashes. <laughs> that's terrible. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 74 <laughs> of the Muppet Trek podcast. So join us next time for the Muppet Show with special guest Crystal Gale. And original series episode Requiem for Methuselah. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. Oh,